Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 162 with the dynamic entrepreneur, Josh Goodman. It was a personal experience back in 2008 that led Josh to solve a problem in the hospitality industry with an innovative self-pour technology that allows customers to dispense their own beverages and pay by the ounce. Josh's company, originally called Pour My Beer, but now known as Pour My Bev, has installed over 10,000 self-pour taps in 440 locations throughout 23 countries. And Josh recently released a book about his life and career called Tap the Big Idea. In this short snippet, Josh gets into some of the ups and downs he has experienced on the entrepreneur roller coaster, and he provides an inside look on what it takes to build a successful business. He also speaks directly to the Cutco Vector audience about why sales is such an important superpower. This is an exciting look into what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur. To hear more about Josh's story, you can revisit our full conversation at episode number 162 or pick up a copy of Josh's new book today. Let's get right to it with Josh describing the genesis of the Pour My Beer story. I was reading a book about, you know, you can't start a business unless you find a problem that's big enough to be solved. And not that I was spending a lot of time in bars, but at the time I met some friends of mine from college. I went to Shippensburg University and we met in downtown Baltimore to have some drinks and I could not get a drink. And uh, yeah, I was like, guys, this is terrible. We've been here for like 30 minutes. We can't get a drink. And they're like, yeah, this is, let's just go somewhere else. I was like, no, like, let's, let's hang out here for a little longer. And so we finally got a drink. And, you know, we weren't the only ones that were unhappy. There was probably, you know, dozens, if not a hundred people there that couldn't get a drink. And then I was like, what if I made it so you could pour your own drink? Kind of like pouring your own gas, you know, like we can pump our own gas. Why can't we pour our own beer? And so that was kind of the, that was the aha moon. I left the bar and went home and started, you know, putting a business plan together. And that wow. was in 2008. I love it. And I really love how your company, your company name is Pour My Beer. I think a lot of Cutco student reps will uh, love the name of your company. Uh, but I think that, that the organic development of your company, that it came from an experience you had where you saw a problem and you realized, hey, I could solve this problem for these guys. And if I can solve this problem for these guys, I can solve this problem for other places. And that there's... Uh, basically an unlimited number of places you could solve this problem for that's a cool you know a, a cool beginnings of the company right there i love how that developed organically well you know it's uh, it's funny cuz when i was in, with cutco my wife was in pharmaceuticals so she sold drugs and i sold knives and then uh, you know she's 
she's maintained her career in, in, in that. And now it's, you know, I went from knives to beer. It's funny because the name of the company is Pour My Beer, but I always say we're liquid agnostic. You know, we we can meter and dispense any product. It can be beer, wine, cocktails, kombucha, cold brew. And that's really kind of, I didn't originally start it that way. I was just trying to solve the itch that I had. I wanted a beer. How could I get a beer? And, you know, it's funny because I came up with the idea and then I built this kind of prototype and put it into a bar and it failed miserably. They say your first prototype you should laugh at. You know, otherwise, you took too long to bring it to market. And it was functional, but it was it it poured more foam than beer. But that kind of led me to, you know, one of the books I had read at the time was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it talked about, uh, and I'm sure a lot of your audience has read that as well, but it talked about finding someone who is an expert in the field that you want to be an expert in and just, just going and working for them for free. You know, and I'm a pretty personable guy, or at least I felt like I was. And I went to all the different bars that I knew in, in Baltimore, and I said, "Who who is the rocket scientist when it comes to draft beer?" And unanimously, everyone pointed me to this company out of Annapolis called AC Beverage. And I mean, they have you know, over ten thousand accounts in the DC metro area. So what do I do? I get in a car, I drive down there, and I'm always a fan of the in person, you know. So I just show up and I said, "Hey, is Charlie here?" And I talked to him, and I, I basically said, "Look, I want to I want to learn as much as I can in this industry. I don't want a job, but can I come work for you for free?" And he was like, that's the first time anyone ever said that. Sure. Wow. <laughs> it's like, so he said, can you meet me? Uh, we have a project, uh, you know, starting tomorrow at 8 p.m. You want to meet me and we'll, you know, we'll take you into the into the project. And I'm thinking, oh, this would be like an hour or two. I'll just get to see how it's done. No, I met him at eight and we worked till uh, nine o'clock the next morning because um, <laughs> they were doing like a, a draft system in D.C. And But I did that. I was like, this is great. I'm learning from like you know, a rocket scientist of beer, like, and I'm getting it. I'm having to, I don't have to pay for it except for with my time. But that led me to like the next part of the chapter where I, you know, he, he because I had some computer knowledge and I was able to do some coding uh, and I was able to get these meters and valves to work. I, I did a project with them in North Carolina, just kind of a one-off. So that was my first check for like 1500 bucks. I was like, I have a business, like someone paid me for my services and it, you know, maybe this is what I'm going to do. And then that led me to being introduced to a company in Ireland that was already doing self-serve draft beer tables all over Ireland. And it's funny, in, as an entrepreneur, unless you've done silly math, you're not a real entrepreneur. Because I went, I flew over to Ireland. Ireland, for those of you who don't know, have about you know six million people, you know, give or take. Uh, and they spent about three million dollars on self-serve draft tables to put all over Ireland. Different setup as far as who's paying for it, like the bars uh, didn't pay for it there. It was just one big Guinness purchase. They bought them and gave them to all the bars. But my math was, wow, like they did 3 million with 6 million people. We have 300 million people in the United States. We're easily going to do 150 million the first year. So I I remember writing my sister on the plane ride back from from Ireland. I was like, this is it. I'm going to buy us all houses in in the Caribbean. (laughs) Like this is, you know, we've hit the jackpot and... But I think you need that enthusiasm to put in the, the work that, that you need to put in to, you know, to survive, you know, because it's, it's, uh, it, it definitely, we did, we did about, uh, if, if we were supposed to do 150 million in 2010, we fell uh, 149 million, 800,000 short. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that's, that was the, that was, that was the next step. There are just so many unexpected twists in hearing the story of how this all came about for you. How has your specific vision for the company evolved as well? When I first started, it was just like, 
I really wasn't listening to what the market wanted. I just thought I knew what the market wanted. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to sell thousands of beer tables. Everyone wants a beer table. But, you know, after going through the pain of deploying 180 of them throughout the United States, I I realized that was not a a very scalable business. And it really wasn't what the market wanted. The market wants choices. People want to sample. So the evolution ended up being uh, taps on the wall. So if you go to any of our locations, you'll open a tab when you walk in and then they give you an RFID card and you can pick from 50 or 100 or 120 is the most we have, but 120 different taps of beer, wine, cocktails, kombucha, cold brew, and you can sample and pay by the ounce. So going back to what I was doing in 2010, I don't want to say it's night and day, but it's it's a far cry from what we were doing back then uh, when it came to like we were offering two products at a table. That's it. You know, and there might be one or two tables. So you figure only at most like two groups could utilize the self-pour technology versus now uh, we have places in Massachusetts that are 10,000 square feet that have five employees. You know, if you if you put that next to a cheesecake factory, they have 50 employees. So it's, you know, just from a, uh, the ability to run in a business more efficiently and never have lines. And I don't I don't think I'm the most impatient person, but, you know, I was probably the first to get an easy pass because I hate waiting in lines. So the fact that our technology kills lines, eliminates lines, it really puts a smile on my face every time I go to a packed location with our technology and they're able to you know, quickly move customers through the process. And you see people kind of communalizing and asking like, oh, did you try this one? Did you try that one? Uh, and just continuing to, you know, like, I guess the big part of that equation that I, I, I kind of skipped over was you know, going through the pain of 2010, 11, 12 with the Irish company. And then I was reselling another company's technology from 2013 to 14. And then uh, one of my best business relationships in my, to, my, to date is a group out of Austria that I, I was doing projects with. Uh, and, you know, the guy didn't have to take a chance on me. I mean, I, he, he really, he just, I flew over to Austria. I was like, look, we've done about 30 projects together. I want to build my own technology. I need to own it. My six-year-old son has to be able to install it. It's got to be very simple. And you know, he 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 gave me a number. Uh, it was it was less than a million, but more than a half a million. And I said it might as well be ten trillion dollars because I don't have any money left. <laughs> so I said I could give you some money and I could commit to orders and give you equity, but I can't come up with that. And he he said okay. And then that was 2015. We launched the product. I got to go over to Austria and celebrate on the Swiss Alps that we were bringing this baby to life. And then in 2000, you know, uh, it was like April, May of 2015, we started deploying it. Now we have 20 full-time people uh, that are working with the company. And I think that's the that's the coolest thing about owning a company is you get to build this team. You know, you get to handpick, is this person someone I want to like work with and someone that I feel like I can help grow as a, as a person professionally and big into, you know, self-improvement. Like it's, you just get to surround yourself with really great people. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of companies, you, you know, sometimes you don't have that freedom. You're, you're stuck working with that person that you kind of wish you didn't have to work with. But this is when you're building it on your own, you get to build that, that dream team. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool to hear. What do you feel like young entrepreneurs who are starting their own business, what are some of the pitfalls they can watch out for that you learned about as you were going through this process of growing your company? So one of the superpowers anyone that works for Cutco has is, is they can sell. Whether you know, like you're learning the psychology of selling, and you know, 
I don't want to say the sales solves all problems, but it definitely helps. And I could always go back to my core, uh, you know, like whenever things were tough, I remember at one point I was a hundred thousand in debt with my vendors. I, you know, uh, my business partner had, had just had to take another position with another company and I couldn't afford to pay our staff. And I was like, I, I just felt terrible. And, uh, and I was like, I got to sell. I was like, I don't know how to do accounting that great. I don't know how to do, you know, website stuff that great, but I can sell. And I was able to, you know, go back to my roots and just, you know, really, you know, think creatively, who could I get in front of? Who's a qualified customer who might know a qualified customer? Like, it's just that process your brain goes through when you're, you know, trying to set up appointments. And it's very similar to other, you know, other businesses. I'm really enjoying just hearing the highs and lows of your entrepreneurial journey because it's such a great story. And, 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 you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of lows. Like you've been sharing a lot of like tough times along the path. And the good news is it's, it's become a great success. You're trying to start a business. You're trying to get off your, off your feet. And then this, you know, you have, you have a negative situation pop up, but we, you know, we work through it and, you know, it just, it's like, I think it, at some point you just, you're so determined and you're so callous that it doesn't hurt as much, you know, like, uh, it's similar to here in a, a negative, like, I remember I used to like when, when, uh, in the sales trainings that we'd get, they'd say, you know, a no is just one step closer to a yes. So it's like, you're fighting through this pain, but you know that eventually the pain's going to go away. You're going to have built the skills that you need to get to that next level. And it's going to make that next level feel that much better. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.